Hi, welcome to Already Cancelled with Finn. I am Finn, your host. Um, I'm already cancelled because, you know, Vishon is, I know he got a whole woman and twins, but Vishon is fine. That's right, I'm talking about Vision, the ghetto-ass version of Vision. He is the, you saw that third eye in his forehead, he is my dream hood nigga. He ain't shit, and I love it. But he's going to be there. He's going to be there. He's going to help me raise them kids. All right? And that's all that matters until I no longer can have him around. Because if I do, I'm probably going to also cause another hex. So, like, let me just not have him. Let me just save everyone in Westview. Today's guest, I already know I know you already heard her laughing. Today's guest is my homegirl, Keisha, one of my playgirls. Hi. All right, she's one of my play cousins. I love her to death. She is so fun. Um, Keisha, tell us about yourself. You don't have to mention your day job because I want people to be able to keep their jobs. But tell us about yourself, boo. Mm, let me see. I ain't shit about 85% of the time. Um, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm open about it. Um, but I'm a super nerd. I like comic book movies and I like to knit and make shit. And I have a small business with my best friend who I also live with and my guy baby who I adore. And I have two nephews that irk my ever loving soul, but I will set some shit the fuck on fire behind. And that's real. Keisha's a hitter. She's one of you. When you say, let me get my goons, that's the goon you getting. Listen, they had me fucked up because you were like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, we coming to fight? Who we beating up? Somebody fucking with my fave. Mm-hmm. I come mm-hmm. to that city and burn it down. Burn it all down. Okay, burn it all down. It ain't worth shit anyways. Fuck it. Oh, and another thing about me is I basically hate everything. I mean, I honestly um, get that. I'm looking at the world, and I honestly get that. But I tell you what, I don't hate this fake what? Ivy Park sweatshirt I got today for ten dollars. But you're so you're so fucking cute in it. I saw your picture, and I said, "Go off with the Ivy Park." Okay, like the Ivy Park. I it was it was one of those hoodies, and I had like the you know the single pocket in it. And then, um, and then, like, when I got home, I said, I'm turning this into a crop top. I only paid $10 for it. I didn't see no Ivy Park crop top there. I, you know Ivy Park is Beyonce. So if this was real, if this was real, you would have had an Ivy Park crop top right next to it. All I'm saying is I, too, would like an Ivy Park crop top. You know, just let all the belly meat fly. Just here it let is. It fly. Show off that beautiful body. That's all. Show it all. Because okay? somebody daddy like it. So, let me tell you. <laughs> I take your uncle, and depending on how much money your, your grandpa got, I'll take people. Leave my grandpa out of What is it? What is it? Not what your is, grandfather. Oh, I'm about to not say. yours specifically. Oof. But I'm saying if somebody Papa got enough money, I will fuck him out of your inheritance. Right out of it. Okay. Like I might pull some some uh what is the name of that um that girl who was I'm cutting that up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
I'm already hot, okay? I was thinking of the Lindsay Lohan movie, and I knew it was The Parent Trap, and that's the name of it, The Parent Trap. That's the movie I was thinking of. For some reason, Billboard Dad was in my head. Actually, that's the only movie that lives in my head rent-free from the Olsen twins. Billboard Dad? Yes. I'm a lot older than you, so I never watched those uh, Olsen twin movies. Okay, so Billboard Dad used to play on fucking ABC Family all the time. Okay, and this was like olden days. I think it was still Fox Family at that time. But oh shit, it was that it was the movie about these two girls who had a single father, and they always have single fathers in, in every show and movie that they do. It's concerning. It's like Full House sets them on a path. But and that's all they know how to do. Uh huh. Because this movie was a single dad, and they decided to not pay for the billboard, just put it on themselves. They're no more than 13 at this time. How are you climbing ladders on top of billboards, like billboards on the street, and rolling that shit up and down? Because you know, somebody saw these little cute little blonde twins and let these little blonde bitches do whatever the fuck they want to. And they went off on their merry little way, vandalizing somebody's property so they can go ahead and get them a rent a mama. And the whole time, the woman, um, it, this is a spoiler. The movie's been out since like the early 2000s. If you haven't seen it by now, I'm going to assume you also hate America. Um, I mean, I do, but I'm still not watching the, the I mean, the continent, because let's look at this continent, girl. It's not just this country sometimes. But Billboard Dad, at the end of it, he ends up with the woman who wasn't even, who didn't even call or like call his number from the billboard. It's of course. Messy. It's messy. And then there's like a whole stepbrother thing. And it's like, I, it's just a weird movie. And like, that's the only Olsen movie that lives in my head rent free. Anyway, like I was saying, um, Vashon can get it. <laughs> I'm mad that you call him Vashon. I mean, I get it because you're gonna get him like a real nigga name. I was, I was trying to say, also, I was saying Vashon. I said when I first saw it, I said Vashon, but there was no like, um, but there was no hyphen. You know what if, I mean? I feel like if it was gonna be Vashon, it would be like V Y S H O N. I mean, and you know what? He could have got it too. You know what? I'm not doing this with you. <laughs> so let's go. Let's get into like the first one. I really want to discuss with you. That's the first thing I actually want to discuss with you about. Is I know you already told me you have not watched the Harry and Meghan interview with Oprah. Correct. But you know you got enough memes, gifts for days out of that bad boy. You know what's funny? Normally I see the memes and gifts. I haven't seen any. I. Uh, but I'm also not really on social media right now. You haven't, but yeah. like I've been reading the news, and let me just say that like I'm not surprised by anything that I have read or heard. Especially considering, like, I'm not surprised about the fact that Pierce Morgan doubled down on the racist bullshit. Tell me about that. So, okay, so, all right, let's start with, like, how this really went. So, you know, Harry and Meghan got married um, a few mm-hmm. years ago. But you did, what I, what did, do you know that they were married three days before they actually got married? 
on like that kind of makes sense but no i didn't know that okay so theoretically i already and it made sense in my head when i read that because i was like okay but you in my mind i always figured you would sign the um you would sign your marriage license before you go to the marriage chapel. certificate or whatever right because you don't want to get like i feel like if you get married before the marriage license then the marriage really isn't um void i mean isn't yeah it's null and void that's what it is because like even though the wedding is supposed to be a religious ceremony it is supposed to be you know bringing the family together all that stuff i always think i mean and i think i think on a marriage license you have to have a priest or priest's death no that's not the word the person, the person who's um, who's officiating the ceremony, had to sign for it. I think so. I would imagine you had to be had the wedding. I would imagine, like I don't know. I imagine the license before the wedding, but it could be either way. Anyway, they were married before the um, before the actual wedding. They also, um, so they they expected her to do a lot of shit, right? Being Harry's wife. Um, this is the abridged version. I'm just giving you the abridged version. So, right. uh, so like they expected her to like, you know, know how to. Well, they didn't expect her to know how to do all these royal related bullshit. But and it's funny because like, Megan is from the U.S. Right? She's a United States. She was a United States citizen. So I'm thinking people who are like English born citizens kind of know more about etiquette when you're around the royal than obviously a, a person from the United States. Right. Um, but then, so, anyway, so, like, throughout the the interview, she, they discuss a topic where Harry apparently had a conversation with one of his family members um, of regarding, like, the color of Archie's skin. Like, somebody approached Harry saying, what is this baby going to look like? Now, mind you, Megan is light as fuck. Because she's half white. Right. But also... You expected... expected, Harry is white as milk. Right. Harry is a ginger. Okay? Which means he's damn near see-through. Like, how the fuck... Did you, do you, did you really think, like, I get it, like, mixed baby, mixed people, interracial people have a, have a genetic gene pool that sometimes when they have, when they give birth, it can toss, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But with Harry, um, that, that, that centuries old inbreeding is prevalent Hello. in that family. That's I feel like the, the inbred is a DNA is it part of your it makes a part of your DNA. So like why would why would you expect that baby to not even look like you? Cause like my nigga, I expected whatever child to ever come from Harry or Wills to always be, you know, white. Super white. That was my expectation as well. Because, you know, I mean, let's just be let's do like the rudimentary math on this. His daddy is 1,000% white on both sides. His mama is half black and half white. So there's more white than black in that child to begin with. He always is going to come out pasty. So for there to be 
a conversation about what color this child was going to be, which let's just go back to how fucked up it is to even be concerned about the skin color of a person, let alone an infant. Right. And like, it's how like, dedicated to racism are you? Exactly. And it's crazy because like, so Harry said he would never re- reveal the secret of who that conversation was had with, but I automatically am going to assume it's his father. Because his father had Either his known. father or his granny. I hit the thing. Queen Elizabeth, I honestly think, has a sense of decorum. <laughs> to not say that dumbass shit out loud. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the prince, he's never um he was he's never had to rule or lead over anyone. He's never had to like uh really know how to not be a douche. So I automatically expected him to be racist. And I've heard enough stories about there being racism in the royal family that in my mind, yeah, depends, obviously, whatever. And then on top of that, after after that part, um, they removed Harry, Megan's, and well, they moved Harry's detail because they didn't really they had detail for Megan and Archie, but like they removed them and then the the institution, quote unquote, um, said that they were gonna remove Harry's uh se- security. So why are you removing security over two well three very high profile people? During like times when everybody knows everybody's home, because you hope that they get murdered, right? Okay, I've heard enough rumors. Pure and simple, that's what it is. Because I heard enough rumors about um about the whole Diana in the tunnel. Like there was enough rumors that um the royal family or the queen and them you know, approved or, you know, gave the, uh, what do you call it? The, that the queen gave them the go-ahead to make them a, to make Diana a mark. And that- I believe it. I absolutely believe it. So it's one of those things where I'm just here like, you know, I'm going to let this go. Um, it's sad. I mean, there's a whole lot involved there. There's also, like, Tyler Perry gave them put a house to stay in and security. Tyler Perry don't... I mean, he knows them, but, like, he... Like, Tyler Perry ain't buddy-buddy with them. You know what I'm saying? So somebody who's not buddy-buddy mm-hmm. with you extend, offers you a place to live and makes sure that you stay alive with your family, that nigga gonna be my nigga for life. For the fucking life. And it just blows my mind that security and protection had to come from a tertiary party and not your own people as a member of the royal family. Whether they have volunteered to leave, you know, the their daily duties or whatever it was, you know what I'm saying? Like they're still a member of the royal family. And there will always be somebody who, because people are twisted. So it's always going to be somebody who feels like there may be a benefit to your death. Right. And like, it's so fucky. I mean, but we're also talking about a country that has upheld 
so many traditions dating back as far as you can think or know about when it comes to English history. You know what I'm saying? I'm just glad that they that if that they allow a woman to be the queen or to run things. I mean, that's I, a shock in and of itself. Right. So it, it's wild, but you know, it's it's crazy because now so the interview happened and the next day, I mean everybody, every conservative is talking shit, saying how Megan is ungrateful and Harry should return to his family and blah blah blah. Harry took his wife and his child to safety. The woman at one point minute admitted that she was feeling suicidal. So you know he was like, let me take care of my girl regardless. You know, and the thing is, at least, you know, what, what's made me, what I've wondered about is <clears throat> like, you know, and I mentioned it, you know, on this other podcast, I listened to how Diana left him something like 20 to $30 million. But, and it's, and I think that there was a comment made that he felt like she left him that money because she knew something like this could happen. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how, how committed, like, how committed to the systems of racism are you? How devoted to your false idea of supremacy are you that you're willing to murder or at least remove the safety from your your grandchild, your son, your brother, what have you? Yep. Like so I just up. I can't fathom that. That blows my mind. And but, if it was bad enough for them to go to Canada, how bad was it leading up to that? I right. Right, and that's they the thing. Like, even it, married it, that long. They weren't like they haven't been, and it's so wild and crazy. But at the same time, I also find it funny because, like Pierce Morgan, from what I've read so far, he got fired. Right, I just read it so far. Um, oh, that he's been fired. Well, not well. Some one report said he was fired. Another report said he. Uh, what do you call it? That he was. Another report says that he left the show himself after making racist comments on Good Morning Britain. I mean, let's be real here. Is anybody anywhere surprised that of all people, Piers Morgan had something racist to say? No, no. Because here's my surprised face. And he got checked. He He got checked by a black woman. On his racism. And then he stormed off the set. Because he got checked. And that's even worse. Like It's like, all right, I'm going to be racist. I'm not going to be as loud about my racism. Or maybe I am going to be loud about it, but I'm going to gaslight you by using specific words. But you're not allowed to check on, to check me on any of it. Any of it. Like, I can't check you. And like a typical... Well, that's like, like a typical, you know cishet white man he got mad you know and because you know calling you out in your racism is the real racism these days right there's no hurting your feelings is the real racism these days okay actually i'm glad you got into that so we're gonna segue out of mary and harry i mean meg and harry 
<laughs> Mary Harry. We're going to segue out of that and talk about the first real, like one of the main topics I wanted to talk to you about. But real fast, I love Oprah. I, I got my issues with her. We all have our issues with her. But thank you, Oprah, for doing this interview. Hard facts. Right. Okay. So would I mean, you say I, that it was done well? I would. I love to. I love to say it was done well. It was a good interview. And I kept, you know, being drawn in. I just didn't like the commercials, but I was so happy. Okay. So now I want to ask you. Okay. So you said, you know, um, we were talking about racism, and it's funny because that's the main reason that, like, I wanted to talk to you about um, ending friendships or friendship breakups. Uh-huh. So, as of yesterday, it had been a year since the horrible friendship breakup that I went through since I was a person that I've known since I was about nine years old. Mm. And racism had a lot to do with it. Because we've known each other for so long. And then last year, I made a post. Well, I shared a post on Facebook that said, good morning. Don't forget, it was International Women's Day. Oh, I remember seeing that post. Yeah. Right. So it said on the post, good morning to everyone except for the 53% of white women who voted for Trump. And you know what? Me being me, I was like, that's the one. That's, That's it one. right there. I, you said I chose violence today. I didn't choose it. You chose it for me. Thank you, Internet. So, and truly, to be honest, they chose violence by voting for him. Exactly. You chose it once you walked into that booth and walked out. Okay? Um. So she comments under it and says, wow, I remember her friend who didn't make everything about him being black and me being white. And I just let in. I just went in and I said, homegirl, are you really upset about me calling you out? And not even you specifically, but people like you for voting for someone who's against everything that I am, of who I am. And because all, all he does is spew out racist, transphobic, homophobic, xenophobic, misogynistic bullshit. And I ain't here for it, right? Big facts. So... This friend, former friend, was like, she and she left the chat. Let's be real. She left the chat, right? And she got, she started going around telling everyone that I would mean to her. But I was justified. You're talking to a black person, a, a queer black person. Like, you ain't just trying to come up in here and get mad that you voted for Trump and I said it. So what's really funny now is that we've known each other for years and known each other for so long. And I'm, I kept thinking about that one day. It was, we had a cute little friend group, just three of us. And um, we were sitting in front of this former friend's house and we were drinking some beers, hanging out, being very country that day because we were way out in the country on a farm. Um <laughs> I mean, barefoot, drinking some shitty ass Bud Light, Miller Light, whatever it was, PBR. You know what I'm saying? So we were like, you know, out there drinking our drinks, barefoot as fuck, enjoying life. And one of them said something. And you know, as a black person, you automatically think that's some white people shit. 
Yes. And she instantly said, why do you make everything about race these days? Um, racism doesn't exist anymore. We have a black president. And that was the day I drew away from her. That's not how anything works. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. So that was the day her and I, like, I kind of drew back from her. And then another time, um, I, you know, that third friend we had, I, we were living together, me and the third friend, and she had a, she had a guest over one day. And she said, you know, she said, hey, meet this person. And I said, hi. And she said, um, how are you? I'm like, I'm feeling racist today. And she just looked all awkward. Like, mind you, she was a normal, regular, everyday, run-of-the-mill, you know, white girl, right? So I don't think she knew what was happening as I said that. And like, because I had by that, because I had been black living in North Carolina, I experienced racism every day. Every, I experienced racism every day. So me coming home saying, yeah, I'm feeling racist today. It's like, mm, I am tired. You know what I'm saying? And so apparently they right. made the big splash about me. Um, not liking white people and all this shit. So the third roommate one day, because I had avoided That's her. That's not what you said, though. Right? So I had avoided her for a couple of days because I was like, I'm not in the mood for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, if we're talking about this one isolated incident, no. But she kept bringing up all of the incidents. And I was like, I'm not trying to hear that. Pick one. Okay? And we'll discuss it and I want you to let me know if I am actively being racist towards you or I am just tired of what your race of people does towards mine. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure it was probably number two. Exactly. So the first friend, you know, so me and the third one, we, we worked everything out and reconciled about that and she's like now way better than she used to be when it comes to, like, mm-hmm. noticing injustices and, like, actually trying not to perpetuate them. But the very first, important. Very important. But the first friend, nah, you can't tell that girl nothing. She thinks the sun rises and sets on her ass, right? Like, I'm gonna be real. Um, she's the kind of girl who only cares about her looks. And Yikes. what she only cared about her about her looks and what boys think of her, right? And she swears she's such a powerful person. But like, I mean, and you can be powerful when it comes to being beautiful and having, you know, just about you know your dating life. But she thought that she that the sun rose and and like the sun rises and signs on her ass. You know what I mean? And only on her ass. And that's really tragic when it comes to people like that because it's like, sweetheart. If there is no content, like no content to you, your looks will fade one day. Exactly. Who are you? And what value do you bring to the world when your looks fade? As a person, you have value. You so what else do you have to offer other than your looks, which can fade? Exactly. And I remember one day I was so pissed off at her. And I said something that made her not talk to me for a couple of days. (laughs) 
actually for a good while. I was so mad at her. I went straight for the jugular because I know she's so vain. And I said, boo-boo, you're a Carolina 9, a New York 5. I know people just like that. And she had, she was, she just couldn't talk to me anymore. But it's funny mm. because, like, you know, what from the as you like as I look through like every incident that happened leading up to our you know eventual downfall of our friendship and the breakup of it, I think of like two things. I think of the first thing my grandmother used to always say: "Your your high school friends are not your friends for the rest of your life." True. And the other thing is, I also think of, like, I don't care about breaking up with you if I've known I've outgrown you. Mm, like, now that's very important. People always love to equate loyalty with, with a length of time, right? And I'm not going to stay loyal to somebody who don't give a shit about me. Or who I can't come, who or who I can't relate to anymore. Those are two very important things. Like if I can't relate to you any longer, because your friendship, you're supposed to be able to talk about things, right, and have real conversations and stuff like that. And then you also have your, how do I put it? Then you also have, you know, the the need for each other. And if I don't. Like a lot of us bond during trauma with our friends. And when we are no longer in trauma, mm-hmm. we realize that that person wasn't meant for us. You know? And I don't like, I hate, I think that's why I hate like trauma bonding with people. Like it's great. It's, well, I won't say great. It's okay and nice to have in that moment. The issue that I have with trauma bonding is kind of like what you said. It's like, what that relationship looks like you know when the trauma is over and and those true friendships you know like what I feel I feel about like my very best friend you know are ones that survive the quote-unquote trauma you know she and I joke that our friendship was founded in poverty we met when we both worked at the same shitty horrible paying job we hated it and most of our coworkers and we began to be friends and started hanging out and like we're broke and like one of us one of us is paying for the other one when we're doing stuff and that was how we started you know just broke all the time barely making it and we're at a place now where we are literally making twice what we were making then but we have both grown mm-hmm. exponentially, emotionally and spiritually, not just in our finances. And so for me, it is a joy to be able to do things for her and my godson that I would not have been able to do when we initially met. And that's because when we made it through that period, because, you know, being broke and being underpaid can be a trauma in this country once we were through that season our friendship remained and and there was value we saw value in each other and in the friendship but also we saw 
the desire for growth and change and this desperate need to be different within each other and supported each other, not just through those hard times, but in the growing period since then. And we're still growing now, but we're not wallowing in the sadness and the muck and the mire of the what was. And with trauma bonding, you can, you know, you can continue to just those friendships may stay together because even relationships, because you're just wallowing in the shit of what was or what is together. I can't live like that. Right. I, I won't live like that. Uh, yeah, I no, you, you're completely right. Um, it's funny. My best one of my best friends. I met them during a time when we were both fucked up. You know, we mm-hmm. were both really fucked up. Uh, family shit were through the roof. We were both poor, making minimum wage. And that was like minimum wage with part-time jobs. Like, I don't know how oh. we survived. I really don't know. I how don't either. <laughs> there by well, the grace of God, go y'all. I really don't know how we made it through, but we did. And we've seen each other go through breakups, uh, dealing with our relationship with our mothers. Um... We've seen death in our families, and we have always managed to hold on to each other and push each other. And there were moments, yes, that we did push back when one was trying to push the other to grow. And we had to learn to let each other just be each other. Mm-hmm. Which is important. Yes. Um, but, I mean, there's nobody else in the world that I can say I have a strong relationship with like that. And there's nobody else in the world that I can honestly, no matter what happens, I know that they are my bugaboo. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yes. So, it, and it, it's wild because a lot of times, when people don't sound really fucked up to say, um, a lot of people who grew up in poverty stick with the people that they know while they were in poverty, not realizing that it doesn't um, it doesn't matter that you've known each other your entire lives. What matters is did you push each other? to be better versions of yourself with what with what you had. Ooh, come through with the facts, baby. You know, I think that's one thing tip therapy taught me is like I don't have to stay friends with my with the people that I've known forever because I'm afraid of being alone or because I'm afraid of uh, the backlash or what have you. Is I have to be able to let people go for my own growth and for my own mental state. Because I have certain friends who, when I'm around them, I just feel drained. As soon as I leave, that feeling of drained turns into joy. I'm happy. I got, you know, a bop in my step because I'm like, yeah, this person ain't for me. I'm no longer able to give them the friendship that they want. You know, dealing with 
my depression and anxiety, you know, um, has made me extremely aware of how I respond and the way I treat my relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, before I even a realized that I had depression um, or anxiety, you know, I was a little careless with my relationships. You know, this is who I am and you either love me or hate me, you're either going to deal with it or you're not. But I also didn't understand boundaries. Mm. And I'm not going to say that I'm great at setting boundaries now because that'd be a fucking lie. But what, you know, living with my best friend and having, you know, and having real conversations with her about dealing with my depression you know, the worst it's ever been while we were living together, she put up with a lot. And it wasn't, and I always knew it was a lot, but it wasn't until the last, like, about not even a week ago, we were having a conversation with somebody else and we were talking about it because he's living with someone who deals with depression. And I told him it is okay to set boundaries and to decide your mental health and well-being is important yeah and it wasn't until we had that conversation and she talked about how truly difficult it was for her to deal with me during that time frame yep and i knew it was hard for her but she had never really went into how difficult it was and so even knowing that it was hard for her has made me really want to focus on taking care of myself and my depression and my anxiety because a i want to be there for me but also to not put that on someone else ever again yep and so i think you know we don't know boundaries and so, and society tells you, oh, you've got to be loyal. You've got to be, you know, you got to you know, stay 10 toes down and you got all this other bullshit. But what those things are telling us is that you have these healthy boundaries, have these, yeah. I'm sorry, unhealthy boundaries, have these unhealthy relationships, you know, oh, you got to remain loyal. I will be loyal to a point. I will not be loyal to you to your own destruction nor my own yeah no and those are the conversations we have to start having you are absolutely right i have gotten myself to a point where i am no longer you know not setting boundaries like within the last few years i've finally learned how to say no oh baby teach me i'm still working on it I was raised very spoiled. I got everything I ever wanted and needed, right? Especially needed. But I never learned. But because of that, because of how I was raised, I am so thankful and grateful for how I'm raised. I, that people who I, who I want to keep in my life, I'm always like, what you need? I got it. I'm going to find a way to get it to you. But you, you, you need a back massage? My nigga, sit down. Say less. Like, <laughs> like I don't. So I had to learn how to say no, 
You know what I'm saying? How to stop helping everybody all the time. And it fucked up. I came to the conclusion of learning. I found a way to learn how to do it on my own. Because one day someone hit me up for some money and I'm like, I haven't talked to you in six years. I don't know you anymore. Mm. We don't ever ask me for money again. And I had to also set boundaries on people, my friends who have kids. Like, I'm not going to help you raise your child. Not because I don't want to help you raise your child, but because I don't want to raise your child. That is not my child. That is yours. So I might babysit every once in a while. If you need some diapers and I got some cash, some extra cash, extra, I might get you some diapers. But that is not my child. And a lot of people don't want to hear those um, those words. Well, because we treat as our society, you know, that people who aren't married or don't have children have less value than people who are married or do have children. And so you were supposed to, you know, it's almost like there's this unspoken expectation that you were supposed to do everything that you can for a person with children. Now, fuck that. Fuck you and that baby. The difference in that for me is, well, the one exception I have, I'll say, is when it comes to my godson. Now, when my nephews were younger, they're 20 and 22 now, you know, I did what I could financially for my sister, but you talk about a babysitter, uh, bitch, I ain't got no kids. And right. it's Friday or Saturday. No, I ain't keeping them kids. I'm stepping I'm out. It, it, it's really funny because as you say that, like my mom used to try to get me to babysit my nephew. Right? All the time. Uh, nope. And I love my nephew. I love my nephew to pieces. Like, Every time I see him, my first thought is mine because he is mine. He is the coolest dude in the world. I'm so lucky to be able to call him like my nephew. And like, I feel like Uncle Jesse did with Michelle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That was his uh, baby, but not his baby. Right. And it's also kind of like big brother, little brother, because he's only like, uh, no, he's only like 16 years younger than me. So. I got you. So he's like, you know, he's my boy. So, you know, I love those kids and I do, but I was not going to babysit them. I was not going to babysit my nephew. I told my mom, I didn't act for this responsibility. I, I curse. Do you really want want them children near me? Matter of fact, fuck them kids. But like, could people think we have all the free time in the world now that we're single or now, you know, or that because we don't have children, but I didn't ask for children. I didn't want children. So, and I still am a tribute. Uh, I tri- contribute to society. So, like, they take more of my taxes. So you good, right? Like, my nigga, I'm paying for kids who, like, for their for education, the kids who I didn't even give birth to. At all, I didn't have them babies. I, I didn't even the- take the dick to make the baby. I want them kids. <laughs> I want I want them kids to learn and to grow and to be the better version of uh, be better than the, the the generation before them. You know what I'm saying? But I ain't having a not a one. It, it, it's it's crazy because like that's how 
you lose friends when you tell them that you're not willing to help out with that baby as in time spent. But again, you, I never asked to sign up for this. I never asked to be that child's third parent. You know, the off the um, opposite of this for me is even though like my best friend and my godson and I all live together, I still, I have to like, I have to ask to babysit. I have to put her out of the house. You go do something. Or I got, I feel like I had to damn near kidnap my god baby to get some time with him. I kidnapped. And listen, <laughs> I love my god baby. You know this and the whole yeah. world knows it. And um, I have to like fight for my time with him if I want solo time with him. But yep. also, even though like we live in the same house, like that, and that's not my child. I think that's what makes me want to do more for him and for her and mm -hmm. to give her the time and space to go do like, girl, you would you be cooped up in this house. Go get you some dick, girl, or go out and do something. Go somewhere. I got it. Let me right. have God, mom and me date night because there isn't there's never been the expectation of you are going to help me raise this baby right and it's, i think you know girl you know what i'm on my way home from work you want me to go get the baby from school you want me to go get the baby for dinner go get him something to den something to eat for dinner you know what you still working and he's done his homework i'm not doing nothing let me go ahead in the kitchen and start dinner for all of us it's because there's not the expectation that because I am single and childless, I have to do for him. And so because of that, it makes me more inclined to want to do for him. It's true, it's real. Like you, because as we set up these boundaries, we also know that there are going to be certain uh, variables. I'll use that word, I'll use variables um, that, exceed those boundaries they get past them like you know you helping as like you going about it takes a village to raise a child it's beautiful and admirable right but mm -hmm. you wouldn't do that for other people with kids because of because of the relationship you have with them with their parents you know what i'm saying that is absolutely true like we have we have to and these boundaries like you, some people might feel like, well, you're missing out on that child. But in my mind, I'm thinking, no, no, no. I'm not missing out on that child. I am happy with having a relationship in which their parent knows they can't just call me up and ask me for money for food, but they need to ask me for money for, for, um, for diapers and shit. Like, I can't always give it to you. And a lot of people don't understand that. Like, I can't always give it to you, number one, because I might not have it. And number two is it's not my job to take care of your household. There's a difference between, like, I believe in helping people who are in poverty, but I don't believe in helping people who expect you to help them while they're in poverty. Ooh, listen, baby, if that's not a whole fucking word, well, I'll say, like, you know, you said, ex, you know, we're talking about, like, expectations and entitlement and, you know, 
and I'm gonna bring it kind of circle back around. The, you know, when you asked me about ending friendships, I immediately thought of two people. Um, and one is someone that I have known since I was 13. And our friendship has, you know, well, it lasted through moves and life changes and losing each other and then finding each other again. Thanks to MySpace, that's how old I am. Child. Which is funny because, you know, she's white. But, you know, she's the one that grew up in poverty and on welfare and all of these things. And as we grew up, her life stayed that way to the point to where she was in a series of abusive relationships. And I would at times, you know, financially help her out. And I realized that she had the expectation of me helping her financially because she was homeless, living with the man who was abusing her. They're living in his vehicle and I'm the one who's got the job that pays decent and I can pay all my bills. And I'd even offered to let her come live with me. I will buy you a plane ticket. Just show up at the airport. Come stay with me. You don't have to pay any rent. Just get back on your feet. And she chose to continue and stay in her situation. All her choice. But she still had the expectation that I would still help her financially. No. I'm not obligated to help you. I helped you because I thought you wanted to help yourself and get out. That's real. Like I have, I have had to separate myself from people who weren't helping themselves. Right. I don't believe that I have to continue helping you. Right. Um, perfect example is, you know, I've had, a friend who we'll call them a friend, I mean a former friend, but they were a friend at that time, who got really heavy into drugs. And his addiction got very strong that it was like one of those every once in a while he would hit me up asking for a few bucks. And I knew that it was either because he needed to eat that day or because he needed to get some money to go, you know, buy some some drugs, right? And he got mad when I told him no. Like, I, I've only given him money once, right? And then he got mad at me for not being able to give him stuff all the time. And I'm like, no, because number one, you're, you're. I feel like I'm helping you uh, finance your your bad habits. Like, let me, I will rather finance my Not own just bad a bad habit. habit, but your addiction. Your addiction, really, yeah. And, like, I always feel like I can afford my own bad habits. I feel like you need to be able to afford your own. And if, and if it's really affecting your life until a certain point, like, you need to get yourself into some kind of, um, you know, some kind of rehab situation. And... Of course, he got mad at me saying I wasn't being a real friend, blah, blah, blah. But I I just, I can't, 
like as a child of an addict, right? Like I'm the child of an addict. I'm the grandchild of an addict, right? So wow, I've seen what addiction does, you know, and I can't. I can't allow myself to watch you destroy yourself. Cannot, will not. Exactly. And I won't do it. Um, so, and if I'm not the person that you expect, that you expected, right? If I'm not that person, then I'm fine. I'm fine not always being the best friend to certain people. I've always said, you know, I know I ain't for everybody. Not everybody likes me. I'm not everyone's cup of Earl Grey. Not and that you couldn't just say T. I'm I'm I'ma say Earl Grey. I'ma say Earl Grey. You know I might I, love I mean it. To, I love it so much. today I might be a, a little bit of a uh a peppermint, maybe a raspberry. Ooh, raspberry sounds good. Raspberry is so good. Oh my god. Put a little amaretto in it. Because even though it's already sweet, the amaretto is sweet. The the um the raspberry is still a little bit dry. So it's not it's not that it's not sweet, it's just a little dry. We're gonna have gotta... to um deflect and talk about tea for a second because so um Tivana you know, was bought out by Starbucks, boo. But before then, the, you know, you used to be able to go in this store and buy tea and it was always loose leaf. And they had this one. It was a Raspberry Riot Lemon Mate. It mm. was delicious. When I tell you I could drink it hot or cold, it did not matter. And you Ooh. didn't even need, you could do maybe one or two sugar cubes in it. Perfect. Delicious. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe My one God. day, maybe one day I'll make some like, so I'll, I'll make some foodie tea and turn it into like sweet tea, like cold sweet tea. That might be a I'm thing. telling you, it, it is the way to go. I had some Earl Grey that I had received. And my dad, I don't know what kind of nigger rig stuff he had going on. Oh, Lord. Loose leaf. And, and he didn't have the little tea thing to steep it in. So he put it in the coffee pot. Oh. You know, he put it in the coffee. He put it in the coffee maker to make the tea. Now, I was disgusted because, you know, dad, you make coffee in that. But he um, he was like, no, 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 I washed it all out. And so he put a filter, you know, the coffee filter in, put the tea in the filter and um, did it that way. And I was like, dad, this is some nigger rig shit, bro. But, you know, but he, he loved it. It was it's, it's good. It's it. important. It's important to do some nigger shit. And it's important to be able to be innovative. So I'm there is you. nobody more innovative than an old black dad. Let me tell you. Uh, my uncle. Tell me my I'm uncle. Wrong. You ain't. You ain't. Like, my uncles are hilarious. And my grandpa, he can figure out something anywhere. Any, he finds a way to fix things. And it doesn't... I, w- I remember one time I was at his house in Brooklyn. 
and he started putting shit together. I'm like, where did you get this shit? Because you have no space to hide it. You should be pulling shit out of like, like it's Halloween town and wearing Grandma Aggie's bag. You know what? I'm done with you today. <laughs> Not Halloween town, which those sequels were trash. How the fuck dare you switch up our girl like we weren't going to notice? We noticed. The only good thing that I want I liked my OG about, back. The only good thing I liked about the about that last movie was that Jesse McCartney song, but obviously I didn't like it enough because I don't remember the name of the damn song. I mean, I stopped watching them. Like I tried to watch them, and then I was like, "Did they change the man, bitch? I ain't watching this shit." Fuck y'all. I, I loved the first two, and then the third one, I was like, "Okay, I can fuck with this." And then, like, you should know, you should never. Never make a fourth movie. Even if the third was great, you should never make a fourth movie. And they made a fourth movie and they had to be trash with it. Disney was like, we're going to give you this great story, but you're going to be angry. <laughs> but anyway, but speaking of anger, so I did want to ask you and I did want to talk to you about, because like as we're talking about ending a friendship, um... Would you like to discuss one of the uh, breakups that you went through or not? Well, you know, <clears throat> the one that I like, that's the most recent. Um, when I, you know, you know, I lived in Asheville, North Carolina for a while. And right. I was still super heavily involved in the church. Um, and I was going to church and I started going to this women's group. And there I'd made a friend. And because she was very much like me, like we were super in love with Jesus, but we still cussed a lot. And we were, you know, and I really felt like we bonded. And there were a lot of things that we cried about over and prayed over. And we were extremely close. Um, but I knew fairly early on that our friendship would struggle because her husband, whether he meant to be or not, was racist. Mm. and it came to a head when um she said you know she said some really off-color shit and her mother she tells me this story about you know something her mother experienced but the way she tells the story is that the, the experience that her mother had was because she was in you know this black neighborhood and i was like no sis that happened to your mom because she's drunk walking down the street in the projects at three o'clock in the fucking morning and a criminal who happened to be out saw an opportunity to rob somebody that didn't happen because the criminal was black it happened because the dude was a fucking criminal right you know it's there's funny. a difference I love when people who are friends with racists or um, married to them or related to them, they still expect you to feel comfortable being around them, knowing that there's a strong chance that if you're that close with that person, if you have a very strong relationship with that person, what to make me not think that you think the same way as them? That part. And, you know, like, we had been drinking and smoking, and I was like, damn, I'm too fucked up to drive home. So I went ahead and stayed the night, 
And I thought about it all night, barely slept. Um, got up in the morning and we had a conversation and I was like, am I okay? Drove all the way back home and thought about it all day. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm not okay. Sent her a long text message and was like, what you said was inappropriate and racist and here's all the ways how. And, and she was like, well, I didn't mean it sound racist. I'm really sorry. I didn't, da, 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 all this shit. And I was still in my fifis about it. And a week or two later, she, she sends me this text message about this experience that she has. And, um, oh, because in part of our conversation also, um, there was the implication that I'm loud because I'm black. And I'm like, no, bitch. My mom is one of like nine. My dad was one of 14, thir- between 12 and 14. I never fucking know. Gang of cousins on my daddy's side. And, and around there, like, shit, there is no such thing as quiet. There's a fuck ton of us. I come from a loud family because there's tons of us. So for you to imply I'm loud because I'm black, bitch, fuck you. So right. then, I, you know, fast forward, she's telling me her experience. And, and this, she was driving down the road and something happened. And she was like, fuck you, bitch, to some woman driving, almost cut her off and she had her stepson in the car. And I simply responded to her, must be nice to have someone assume that you're loud because you're angry and not because you're ghetto. Exactly. I get, and, it is so exhausting. I'm naturally loud, right? Um, but it is also go ahead. Well, I don't know. I say I'm also naturally loud. Oh, and to have people uh, equate that with something is stupid. Right. Like I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm naturally loud. So I don't, um, I don't feel as though you should automatically stereotype. Oh, it's because he's black. No, first of all, I'm hard of hearing. I wear hearing aids. So I sometimes don't know the tone of my, the sound of my own voice. But if you want to be racist about it, you know, there, there are boots. You can wear them out of the store. Hello? Just lay some hoes up and fucking wear them. Exactly. Like, and I you don't know, honestly, it. you know, I don't, I tried, I'll be honest, you know, I cut her off because of that and the assumptions, you know, and against my better judgment, we reconnected several years later, which was only about a year and a half, about a year ago, actually, start of the pandemic. And, um, you know, everybody's cooped up in the house and she tells me she's hanging out on this app called Meet Me. And I'm like, okay, cool. I joined Meet Me and we're hanging out. And out of nowhere, I realize suddenly white girl has dreadlocks and thinks it's okay to say nigga. And I was like, um, when did that word become part of your lexicon? Like the person I knew would have never said that. And I checked her on it two or three times and I finally reached a point. When someone tells you who you are, believe them. And she would always say to other people, I don't give a fuck about anybody's feelings. Only person's feelings I care about are mine. And I reached a point to where I said, 
You've said this enough to where I now believe you. You don't care about anybody's feelings but your own. Because no matter how many times I have told you, what you're saying is not okay or inappropriate, you feel like you have the right to say it. And with her mouth, she told me she felt she earned the right to say it. I don't wow. care what you've been through. Wow. Yes. Yes. She told me she had earned the right to say it. I, actually, the way the conversation went was, um, I said, when the fuck you start saying that? And she said, the first time I got my ass beat and survived. And I was like, but that's not, and she goes, I know that's not how that works. But I felt like I earned the right to say it. I said, a black man beating your ass will never give you the right to say nigga, not now, not ever. You think because you have these dreadlocks in your hair, you fuck black men, you do a little coke on the side, and a black dude beats your ass, all of a sudden you down and you cool, and you can say nigga, fuck you. It and no matter how like many that. times I tell you, did she think it was like? All. Did she and think I've, it was like a like we're in a fraternity? These are these are like uh, pledge rituals. Like, it's not a video game where you beat the level and you win and you go to the next one. It's not how this shit works. Like, I, like, and let me I get, finally just, huh? Let me just say, like, I am all for advocating for, you know, women who have been in abusive situations. I think it's terrible. I've been in one of those situations. Absolutely. I just don't. I'm just angry at everything spewing from being in an abusive relationship because like I get it you're stressed and you're in a bad situation been there get it but it would never I would never you know what I mean I wouldn't like if all my you like if you're white and you say nigga and you're like I got to buy ass beat by a black dude I can do whatever I want now no it doesn't work that way well, you're about to get your ass beat by a black woman so tell me then you get your ass fucking beat if it's then worth it is it worth the price you pay and you know i just i reached a point to where i decided my mental health and well-being and my sanity were worth more than trying to educate her yeah because you want to be on you know on facebook she's black lives matter and you know and on social media you're black lives matter and you're educating you, you call yourself educating white people on white privilege and this that and the third but you still say nigga and you're still disregarding my feelings and then you hit me with a fake ass fox news apology i'm sorry you feel that way fuck you and as much as i care about you as a person i have to be done like right now she is homeless and living in her car. And I heard about it from a third party. I can't stand to see somebody homeless. So I reached out. Are you okay? And she had the audacity and an attitude. And be like, well, last time we talked, you said, fuck me. And you just blocked me on everything and quit talking to me. You know what, bitch? I was just trying to make sure your unwashed legs have an ass had some food and a place to lay your head every now and again and put the rest to the side. But you still want to be a fucking bitch about it. Good. I have a roof over my head. 
I have you know, food in my refrigerator. It's crazy. Like, be homeless. I, because we're not saying, you know, fuck you, you deserve to be homeless. Nobody deserves to be homeless. But it's like... Absolutely. It's, it's almost as though she chose to be in this situation. You know what? I will tell you the entirety of the story off of here, and she absolutely is. I have... But... And I, and I, I kind of suspected that, but when I got the full details from our third-party friend, um, one and one made two. She only had a piece of the story. Like, she mm-hmm. had four pieces to the puzzle and I had the rest of so knowing what I know from our mutual friend she's absolutely choosing this but I didn't know that when I reached out to her I was like shit you and your dog are living in your car are you hungry are you okay because as a as a human being I think shelter and food should be a basic right that people that humans should have access to yep Period. It's so sad. But you still want to be a bitch about it. I can't, you know, and that was hard for me to do because I, the people that I care about, I care deeply. And I went back against my own better judgment to still try to be friends with you. Mm -hmm. And you slapped me in the face twice. Nah, bitch. Fuck you. I learned my lesson. You you said you don't care about people's feelings. Okay, well, fine. You take your no caring about people feeling having ass over there and stay in your car. Exactly. And it's like, it's it's exhausting, but like you brought it on yourself, sis, and I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm sorry that you can't accept that it's not like that you can't be a regular, nice, decent person because you're upset that I am tired of everything that you're doing. Like, it's funny because, like, this also falls into boundaries, right? When you see mm-hmm. your friends, absolutely, when you see your friends going into some deep ass hard times, and you reach out, you have to like. I feel. It, well, at least for me, I feel like I have to already walk in with boundaries set. Because you're in a yep. time of need. I so, think like, that's what I didn't do. Like, yeah, because like when, so when that person is in a time of need and um, a lot of people have never heard the term beggars can't be choosers. Hello. So if you've never heard that, I don't expect you to understand that these boundaries are set up so that when you start trying to pick and choose what I'm going to help you with, I can say no to that. Or I can say, you know, I'm not, I ain't got the full thing. And that was something I had to like, that we tried to tell my nephew, you can't decide when and how people help you. Right. That's how that goes. They have the resources, not you. Right. Because, like, let's be real. It's like, I, I have, we all have pride. We all have an ego, right? But I don't see myself, like, I've never thought I was better than anyone else. But I have known that I am more generous than others. But at this point in my life, I'm like, I can't always help you. I can't always help you because 
you need to one learn how to you know help yourself and two don't bring this into our friendship because you're going to say something one day and I'm going to ask for that thousand dollars back. And then I'm taking you to small claims court. That part. So I think it is imperative to like when you end a friendship, the reason you're ending it is because like it drains you and lack of boundaries is a very big part of draining you. I think of it like when anytime my therapist mentioned boundaries, I always think of a road. Okay. Okay. Matter of fact, let's get a little bit more modern. Okay. And we're going to say WandaVision. Have you seen WandaVision yet? Oh, y'all are going to be mad at me. I have not watched any of it. Okay. I'm going to, not use WandaVision because I don't want to spoil it. I just it fucked your whole analogy all the way up. Yep. So let's try. Have you seen Pleasantville, the movie? Is that Reese Witherspoon and Tobey Maguire? Yes. No, I haven't seen it. Wait, wait. Is that the one where they get a, end up like it's a TV show or whatever? Yes. Yes. And everything's black and white and they turn it color? Yes. I kind of have seen it. Is it Pleasantville or Pleasantville? I think it's Pleasantville. Pleasantville. Yes, you've seen it. So do you remember in the when they were sitting in class one day and they um, the teacher had the map open of the town or had drawn it, whatever. It's been so long, it could have been a drawn on the whiteboard. I mean, on a chalkboard, and that's all I remember. But they said, like, this street is named, like, the first street that went across or left uh, east to west was you know one name of a street and the and the one that went uh perpendicular of it went from north to south that was another street right and that was the only streets in the town right yes okay so those people had never left that town they even said well oh crazy you just end up on the other side all together you don't go. You don't leave the boundary. You just go back to the other end of the of the road and keep going the same way you came. Now, the reason I bring that up is because those are boundaries. You have boundaries. You can't leave them, right? You can't leave them. And I think that that was always my fear of like when I was younger, having boundaries. Because if I can't leave my boundaries. I know that my friends won't leave me. Oh. So your boundaries could not even be real boundaries. They could just be like, I don't care. Ask me for anything. I got everything. That's a boundary for you because you're telling yourself, I can't say no. Now, I know that. That's hard. And that's what. Like and that and that contributes to a lot of our breakups with them because like a lot of people don't get that you have to stop having those boundaries at some point. You have to set new ones. You have to make better you have to make a better contract with yourself to take care of yourself first before you start allowing other people in and you don't and allowing them to notice that you haven't 
really done what you need on yourself so they can automatically use you to reflect from. And I think, honestly, you know, where the relationship also breaks down is if you never had boundaries and then you and you learn to have them, it's all of a sudden they no longer have the right or the ability to treat you the same way. And it's almost like they're angry about that. Yeah. And, and I'd and, rather have friends who respect my boundary than just let it, than expect me to respect theirs, but they won't respect mine. And that's important too. I think that's, and that's, you know, the difference between a healthy boundary and an unhealthy boundary. And a healthy friendship and an unhealthy friendship. Mm-hmm. It's really important. I Okay, question. Did you do do you use boundaries with your current friendships? Yes. And, and I don't always I don't always like I don't say, well, this is a boundary for me in those words per se, but I will set them within myself and mm-hmm. I have limits to what I can and cannot do and what I will and will not do. So right. I'm still learning to say no. And you know, when it's healthy for me to say no, I've, what I've also seen is setting a boundary that is healthy for me, thinking and believing and being okay with the idea of losing a friendship and having that friendship become better because I set that boundary for myself. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. And that is important to have. Like, I don't think I have there. I don't think that there are many people now who don't experience me setting something, setting in stone a boundary or um, a limit going into the situation. You know, like I have friends who know exactly where they stand with me. Like, you know where you stand with me. It's not that you can't move to another level of our relationship because you possibly could. But I ain't in that place right now, my nigga. I don't know you well enough yet to... And I I mean, I can know you for like five, ten years and still not know you well enough yet to be able to say, yep, this is for you. It's real. It's like... We all have to have them. We all have to be very careful with the friendship because, like, your friendships are more important than your marriage or your dating life because... Yes, because, you know, well, I don't... Well, yeah, and so I was about to disagree with you, but I think you're right because when you're in a relationship, you have to have friends and people that you can go to that aren't your partner, you know... Your partner can't be the only thing that you have in terms of friendship. I've never thought that that was healthy. Right. Like, I don't think, like, I feel like my friends, if we're friends, we've known each other for a while. And if I feel one of my really close friends, there's a chance I've known you longer than my partner or you know me better than my partner because we talk about everything. Everybody had a limit of what they would 
of how they communicate with their partners about certain issues. But a lot of us have to bounce our, our ideas and our emotions off of our friends or a third party for us to be able to say, okay, am I overreacting? Am I in the wrong? Is this what blah, blah, blah. So, and because they know you so well, those are the people that you're going to go to for advice because they'll be able to, you feel as if you can trust them with this issue, you know? Right, right. And if, and if I'm putting in your hands, um, if I'm putting the ball in, in your hands on your court for you to shoot it, then I need you to uh, make sure that you protect it, you know? I need to make sure that, yes, you are making that three-point shot. You are protecting our friendship. You are making sure that we are doing everything to keep this friendship going. And I know that I'm going to turn to you more than I would turn to my partner because I don't see myself always talking to my partner about everything. Matter of fact, let's be real. If me and, if we have some, like, if I'm having some great-ass sex with my partner, and then my partner was there. He knows about it. But I need to tell somebody, homegirl, let me tell you what old boy did last night. Okay. You got like, to have that, that conversation. Girl, that nigga put me to sleep. Right. Like, it, it's one of, like, you want to tell your friend that that nigga put you to sleep. You know? You need somebody to tell this to. You know? They, yeah, one person, he like, you know what? I just got to tell somebody, dot, 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 dot. I have friends that I go to. I remember whenever that like, a good... Uh, a good moment in my career or my personal life with my family. I love being able to just like, you know, have friends to tell them about, hey, I made this milestone. I've gotten this promotion. I have a better relationship with this family member. I did this, this, and that. And I feel like that's important. But I also think I know I am biased because I have always had a chosen family. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So me being the type of person who's always had a chosen family, I automatically choose my chosen family before I choose, you know, a romantic partner. Because they've seen me through ups and downs upon, like, levels that were so bad in my life. So I trust them more because they've been able to help get, get me through it. They've never just discourage me from trying to get past it and trying to be better you know so like your partner might not know how to do that yet or doesn't know it well enough yet and y'all get fucked up and then the relationship doesn't last because neither one of you signed up for that so then you end up going to your friends because like i need somebody to talk to and get drunk and then up and end up throwing up in either a pond a lake or a fountain somewhere in manhattan that sounds extremely specific. Like that's a memory. <laughs> I'm not saying that has happened to me. I'm also not not saying that that has happened to me. <laughs> I all, got you. I got you. All I know is that your friends are gonna are supposed to be the ones who are there to pick you up when you are down. So it is important to... um to like make sure you have the relationship that you can trust in and, and love because if not, and if they, and if they prove that they're worth it, you know what I mean? And they show it that they're doing the work on themselves and that they are better people and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like that. Cause you don't want to go through a breakup. You don't want to go through a friend breakup. It's so rough that it, 
Ooh, facts. That you want to make sure you are signing up for a friendship with people who do respect your boundaries, who do respect your um your you setting your foot down. They do respect you as a person because like even though they can say that they respect you, they can be showing their ass. You know? Ooh, tell the truth about it. So I wanted the final thing that we talked about to be the last thing that we talked about before we ended. <laughs> um, and I feel like we got a great start. We got some, we started off talking about British culture and we also talked about friendship, right? So I figured we would, you know, calm it down and make it happy with a very important show in my life that is all about friendship. This man travels through galaxies, planets, time periods, and he had a companion most of the time. And they were... Shouldn't be with that one. He, look, the only... Like, even... He even had Kylie Minogue as a companion once, okay? Kylie Minogue is stardust. It's like the gayest phrase I've ever heard in my life. But also the cutest thing I've ever seen in the saddest way. You are not wrong. <laughs> you are not wrong. But I do want to talk about your favorite three companions from Doctor Who. Okay? So the way I figured this would go is um, we'd count down from three to one. And then you would give, and then you would tell me yours and I'll tell you mine. And then we just kind of have fun with it. I am so excited about this. Okay. Because you know how hard I stand. Yes. I've watched oh. every episode of New Who so many times, and Classic Who, I, I just, mm. before I even get into my top three companions, um, the fourth doctor is my doctor. Okay. I, I fucked with it. I fucked with it. Oh, my God. I, I oh, didn't even get started. Anyway, so, All right. top three companions, starting with number three. Yes, which is third... Who's your third top three companion? Bill. I I loved her. And I was so disappointed that she did not get more. Yeah. I felt that, you know, there were so many great things about her. Here we have a natural hair um, lesbian companion who is clever and smart and she's pretty and she's funny and she's so inquisitive but she's brave and she's bold and yeah. she's so strong yeah i loved her for so many different reasons bill deserved more episodes than what she got mm -hmm. and she deserved a better storyline yes because, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, I don't know what to tell you. I don't. Get your life in order. Get you your really whole life to. in order. You really, I, and I, and I suggest, I suggest you start at a collective testicle, but keep going. You're not, you're going to stop calling him that because he was an amazing doctor. He was an amazing doctor. But I remember one day I was like really fucked up. I, I like tired, hadn't slept, and was drinking a beer. 
And my friends and I were watching Doctor Who, and next thing I know, I said eclectic testicle when I saw his name, and it's only been that since then. The man's actual name, for those of y'all listening, is Christopher Eccleston. Eclectic testicle. But I, I hate you for that. I mean, just like Benedict Egg, come on a bitch. Don't do my, don't, do <laughs> not do my Sherlock Bay like that. I, oh, we we're going to have us a whole fight right now. It's, his name is Benedict and come on a bitch. <laughs> so you just want me to fight you? Is that what you're saying? His name is, his name is. The more you say it, the more I want to fight you. His name is Benedict Cumberbum. No, nope. get out of here. Chris to the front, across the testicle. But all right, no, I, I get so it. Hard right now. I love, I love Bill. I did enjoy Bill. I did enjoy Bill. I do think she was fun. I just thought the Cyberman part of the storyline. Oh, uh, I, I felt like she deserved so much better. And you know, I couldn't. Uh, yeah, she really fucking did. She really fucking did. Fucking. Cyberman. She deserved so much better. Some Cyberman. All right, so uh, my number three, I'm going to tell you. Yes, give it to is, me. Okay, is actually Donna Noble. I love her so much. I just got so excited. I, look, my, like, I love the fact when my favorite episode, and people can judge me all they want, okay? I know who I am. My favorite episode is the Agatha Christie episode. Oh, it's so good. It is, I mean, the whole wasp or bee situation, it got a little bit of them dabbling with discussions of um, of imperialism and colonialism Mm -hmm. in India. Um, It discusses very British traditions of stiff upper lip, you know, and keep the dirty laundry inside the house. Okay. Um, it was so good. And and like everything other all the other Donna episodes are so great. I mean, I loved that Donna got to meet all of the other companions. I feel like Donna deserved to be able to meet all the other companions. My I, favorite Donna episode is um oh, because we're talking about it. Um Partners in Crime. Okay. With the adipose. Yes. That scene when they, they reunite each other again, yes. yes, and it's all mouthing across the room. Oh my and god, I love and I just that scene is so brilliantly done. And when that, and when it's oh so my god, good. When, and when she looked at the two of them and was like, uh huh, y'all came to me. Am okay. I interrupting here? Y'all, y'all, y'all need to finish this conversation. Okay, cool. No, so who'd you number two then? Actually, my number two was Donna. Oh, my number two is Donna. Yes, my number two is Donna because she she gave you a full package. Yeah, she uh, you know she was smart and she was funny, and she you know she wasn't in love with the doctor. She. She just wanted and to travel that with is so and be his friend. To me. That is so important to me that she was not in love with them, that she didn't have romantic interest in them. Catherine Tate and um, Catherine Tate and David Tennant had a conversation about, you know, just saying, hey, look, it was we wanted to make it like we are two old buddies just dealing with each other's bullshit, you know? I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But 
Um, although I would love to hear David Tanner just say bullshit and like not try to stop himself. Oh, that would be so fun. Um, but, I heard him say cock and that was funny. Oh, fucking love him. But, you know, I I loved her in turn left because you get to see her. Being yes. Like, you get to see her going through it and you realize like yes. she, she was meant to be the woman who saved the world and she was meant to be the woman who taught the doctor that like it goes beyond you know it goes beyond just yes that there's value more in helping someone than just taking revenge or killing someone and you know oh turn left was such a good episode yes Yes. Because I also, in Fires of Pompeii, I thought she was brilliant also. Oh, yeah. Just that scene, you know, when she's there in the TARDIS and she's like, just save someone. Listen, cried buckets. Fucking buckets. Who's your number two? All right, so my number two is... I'm going to say it, and you're going to give me a reaction. Sarah Jane Smith. (gasps) I'll take it. I'll take it. I love her so much. Sarah Jane Smith is an icon. An icon. First of all, she got Rover at the end of the shit, of all of it. Like, Rover lived with Sarah Jane. Rover didn't live. Not Rover. K-9. Oh, K-9. Oh, this motherfucker called my my (laughs) K-9? I'm like, who is Rover? This is what happened when you smoked. Um, but I love the fact that she got K9. I love the fact that you get to see her raising mm-hmm. Luke. I love the fact that you get to see her kicking ass. I love the fact that she telling these bitches, I don't give a fuck if you're Raxacorcophalopatorian. All right? Come through. The Raxacorcophalopatorian? The fucking. First I love off, bonus this. points for saying it right. Let's just I, say that. Bonus points for saying it right. I love it. But I love Sarah Jane. I love the fact that she was a part of the original show, and, I, and I'm glad that they brought mm-hmm. her back. I And I think David Tennant was the right doctor to bring her back for it. Oh, absolutely. Especially because he was such a fan, and she was his favorite companion. And um, I think I remember reading that when they say goodbye and he hugs her at the end of um the episode whatever episode it is it's after the stolen earth when he hugs her and he says my sarah jane that wasn't written in that was david yeah that wasn't the doctor that was david uh know what you can say about sarah james with elizabeth sladen was truly an icon and yeah. we we did not deserve and they gave us so much. They gave us everything, and I loved it. Like they, they gave Tenet an amazing send off, right? So Ugh. when he was like, "I don't want to go," I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like we just had an epic reunion. We just had so many amazing moments, and I won't get to see you, and I won't get to see what might come of Sarah Jane. You know, and it, it hurt. But it's so beautiful. It's, oh my god! All right, all right. Absolutely. Who's your number one? 
This is very hard for me because my number one is a toss up. It's like a twofer between an actual companion and a non-companion companion. Okay. So Martha Jones. Okay. And River Song. Okay. No, I get it. He had him some badass women in his life. Listen, let's talk about it. Martha Jones, first black woman companion. That bitch. Bad bitch all day long. Ma'am is a doctor. Hello, saving plants and shit. Even before she was a companion, bitch out here meeting Shakespeare. Got this nigga writing, writing sonnets about this hoe. Hello, OG bad bitch, Doctor Martha fucking Jones. Yes, please, all day, every day. And the but fact then, that she married oh, but Mickey. Then she married Mickey, or well, it's canon that she married Mickey. Canon, apparently, right? Which that's bullshit. That's complete bullshit. I'm not even going to get into that today. But the the number (laughs) one reason why Martha is my favorite, she was, A, she's a brilliant actress. Um, Like, just, she's wonderful. Um, She was in Sensei, and I loved her performance there also. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Martha, you know, we take lessons from the Doctor and the Companions. And for me you know, the number one lesson is knowing when to walk away. Yep. And she knew Here was a man that she loved. And she said, you will never love me the way that I love you. You will never be what I want you to be for me. I love you, but I love me enough. I love me more. I love Mm -hmm. me enough to walk away because walking away from you is what's better for me yep because you see companions stay with him to their own detriment yeah and And they should have walked away when they had the chance to walk away and stay safe because we learned because no companion has ever really ended in a happy note you know what i'm saying like a fully happy note the closest the closest end we got was actually i'll talk about it tell me your number, your other number one. So apparently your second one. River Song. River Song. The doctor's wife. Can we Bad please? Bad Can we please? The way I we mean, met her. The way we met her. Silence in the library. Those two. It just, it's so good. It's, and she's smart and she's funny and she's sexy and she makes the doctor uncomfortable because she almost always knows way more than him. And the fan service that they gave us in the husbands of river song, the, you know, with the 12th doctor, Peter Capaldi, that Christmas special, Mm -hmm. that episode was everything I needed in an episode between 12 and River Song. I yeah. wanted it and they gave it to us. You know, and cause it's, uh, how often does Doctor Who give you this bad bitch who walks in the room, hello, sweetie. And, and commands she's it. She's smart. She, and she, she doesn't demand attention, but she commands attention. You're absolutely right. And she walks in with knowledge and authority she can fly the fucking TARDIS when other companions have to be taught. The TARDIS 
taught her to fly the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Come on now. It was just like uh, River Song a legend. A legend. She is she is I'm going to use this quote. She is an icon. She is the moment. Okay? She is, because every time you see River Song, homegirl was just chilling out in Egypt waiting for her husband to be like, I need you, baby. And you'd be like, okay, please wait. And you're just so, this is River and this is the doctor and this is how they always are. And I love it. I love it. Show me a batter bitch on TV. Show me a batter um, bitch on because TV. You can, because her you entire can. her entire storyline is beginning to end amazing. Amazing. It's brilliant writing. Uh it's brilliant writing and brilliant execution of a well thought out plan. And she'd been trying to find that man since she was a teenager. Hello. It is wild. Hello. All right. So I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. So my favorite is I'm I'm waiting to get hate for it. Maybe this is why I am already canceled. But my favorite companion is none other than Rory Williams. Yes! You cannot tell me he might she look she might give it be, to me give it to me go ahead he might be the girl who waited but he is the nigga that was patient come on tell him tell him tell him he knew that his wife had a all of her attention on this man who's thousands of years old over more so over her her own man who had been there and held her hand through everything. And he's never given her a reason for her to stray, right? But she be fucking up herself. She be fucking up herself because she is so wanting of the doctor that she doesn't see that Roy is that nigga, right? That's number one. But number you know two, what, though? But she, but she does. She circles back around. And how bad of a motherfucker do you have to be to steal your woman back from the doctor? Right! Like she, and she didn't even want to turn around. That's my issue. She didn't try to be like, oh, I'm going to do this 180 because I know that this person is better than for me. It is like you had to literally... The doctor showed you... Remember how earlier you said when people show you who they are, you got to believe them? The doctor showed you who he is. Mm. He told us time and time again from day one. When he left you alone in that kitchen after eating fish sticks and custard, you should have known right then and there. I mean, that should have been her first time that the doctor was a fuckboy anyway. It really should have been. Could be fuckboy. They ain't but got like, And not only, not only was he the man with patience. Let's talk about the character development. Yo, Rory Williams' development went from, you know, a, a, a zero. Weakly, scary. It went from zero to three, like to, to 300 real fast. Because that, that intro to A Good Man Goes to War, oh I my watched God. it so many times. I have Rory a question. Is- and what do you say? I have I've got a, um, a question from me and a, and a statement from the doctor. 
no, a statement from the doc, a message from the doctor and a question from me. Where is my wife? What is the doctor's message? And that shit explodes all behind him. And that look on his, now that nigga face where he said, do I need to repeat the question? Listen, every time I watch that shit, you better fucking tell him. That's Rory motherfucking Williams. Rory? I like the Amelia Pond. Get your coat. That's great. But Rory, come on now. It's character development. Rory is everything. Rory gave me so much. The, you know, I can't look at a at a at a at a gladiator costume or a Roman warrior costume without thinking Always. of him. I'm like that's Always. the centurion. That's the centurion. Um, I need you to pull the box that I'm going to be trapped in for the rest of my life. Thank you. I love you too. Just pull the box. That's all you're Hello. here for. You're and just here to pull. I'll give you so a vote. I'll, I'll buy you a rope. We can go to the Home Depot and buy some rope, but you're going to be pulling me. Right now. Shit. I remember when... Remember so when uh, he got the doctor asking him permission to hug his wife. Exactly. Come on. Like, Come and on. my favorite... I Like, oh my God. Like, the fact that Amy took his name when they went back in time was like, okay, this man said, look, Number one, we got to fit in with society because I ain't trying to get us killed for being witches. Number two. <laughs> Facts. Number two. You taking my name. I ain't changing my name to Pond. You're going to be Williams. We are going to live together, love each other, you know, ride or die, and you're going to respect me. And that was gorgeous. That man that, is gorgeous. And you know, and for me also, you know, that um, episode where they get shot down to the um, the Dalek Asylum, um, and she says, don't talk to me about waiting outside of a box because that is nothing compared to giving you up. And I said, girl, hello, you better know it. Right. You better know it. I fucking love Rory. I think he is just one of those characters that you you knew we needed. You know what I'm saying? Because he's showing us that absolutely we, you know, you you as a companion, or even you as just a person, you are gonna eventually get tired of not getting the respect you deserve, and you gonna fuck it up. It is up to you on, to determine how you fuck it up. Because if you can fuck it up any old way, that's fine. We all fuck up at something. But how did you how did you fuck up? Did you choose it? Did you you chose to be this dumb? Okay, well, I'm gonna choose to tell you that you're gonna respect me. And I'm gonna get out of where I was at in my funk to make sure that I am the man that I want to be. And I was like, damn, that's what he really did. Really, what he did absolutely, and, he, and I definitely had a crush on him for a while. I can I see that. I didn't have a crush on him, but I was like, if my nigga don't love me the way Rory loves him, Amy, I don't want him. I don't. Okay, and I'm not yeah. talking about you know waiting two thousand years outside of a box. I mean the devotion and 
Malika was ready to literally jump off the top of a building to save her life. That man was willing to do whatever it took to save and protect her. Yep. And you know, it's Come wild. On now. It's wild because they tried to give you I, I try I often think like the way they did Mickey's story had a lot of similarities with um with Rory. Because when Mickey came into the show, he was Rose's boyfriend and he was just kind of in the background and he was always jealous and he needed he wanted her to respect him as a partner, as a man and blah 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 and all that extra shit. But Rory was at that point in his life where he wasn't shit either. So I'm glad that they mm, Rory was a nurse. I'm not 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 Rory, Mickey, my bad. Mickey. Oh well Mickey definitely wasn't shit. Mickey wasn't who, shit who was at that time. A scary ass mechanic. And from my understanding, he couldn't help fix the TARDIS. So was he a mechanic? Mm. So, like, because that's one thing I would learn. I would love to be learning some alien ass, uh, some alien ass mechanics. So, like, if an if a spaceship showed up, if a UFO showed up in the country and they needed a mechanic, I'd be like, "Yo, I got specialties in this shit." Yep, I worked with the doctor. Mickey was too busy trying to make sure his girl didn't fuck the doctor. Right, and Roy, while Roy was checking for that situation, Roy was also a little bit more secure with himself than Mickey was. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's wild, but I fucking love Roy. I love Roy, and I think he's so fun. I think he's really cute. It's just he's and he's smart, and he's well, he's inquisitive. That's really what it is. He's inquisitive because he's like, yes. I'm yes. not going into this situation blindsided. What's really good? And I respect that. And what's our exit strategy? What is our exit strategy? Because lately, it seems like we don't have one. We just wanted. And let me tell you something. I didn't go to the gym before I became your companion. So I don't know what it's like to run. But I bet he fit now. Oh. And a special shout out while we're talking companions to, um, I forget the actor's name, but he was Ron Weasley's father in Harry Potter. He played Rory's dad. Oh, yeah. I truly loved him because oh, he went yeah. from hating to travel to sending them postcards to everywhere he went and holding down the fort while they were at home, but also telling the doctor, you bring my fucking kids back, bro. Yep. And that was, like, really important. It's one of those things where the doctor is like, I'm not a family man, but like, you guys have family. And I guess I kind of like your family because you have nice families. And that's it. It's like, you get to see an element of loving your family, loving your friends. And it's so beautiful. Like, um, Jackie, the way Jackie was with her, with with Rose, and then you look at um, you look at Donna's father and grandmother you're like yeah we have a lot of family in here and a lot of these families are very loving very loving well because you know for for as much as the doctor talks about not having a family or anything because people are all gone 
his companions become his family. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing that I liked about Jackie with her character development. It's she went from wanting to smack him and she hated him to she loved him like family. Yep. And that's you know, what she cared about him too. And like I love that that like you know, I uh, really Donna's love grandfather. It. Yes, Donna's grandfather. Oh my god, when you saw him crying, oh my god. I felt feels oh, when man. I when saw him, him crying. Yes. It was it's it's so beautiful. And you know, and you talk about, you know, like they've got these families, but what I appreciated the most about the Amy Rory years were they were a family, the three yeah. of them. Yeah. And it was obvious that they were a family, not just because Amy and Rory were his mother and father-in-law, but because they truly loved him. Mm -hmm. He went home for Christmas where she always set a plate the way a mother would, hoping that one day her son would come home. Yeah. And granted, yes, he is thousands of years older than her, but she still loved him. Rory loved him like family. Yeah. And it was so love is setting a plate for you at the table without knowing you're coming home or not. And that's real because like and it's great that it came from Amy and Rory because you have to think about it as in the context of like that shows us more that again that while Amy was hopeful and waiting, Rory was being patient and he knew that this man is going to be a part of our lives, whether or not I want him here. I, I'm going to learn to love him and I'm going to teach myself to love him. And you know what? I do because he's actually a good person. A lot of times. And in learning to love him, like and in learning to love him, look at what they were able to gain and, and learn themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where did the doctor say, oh, I need you to bring me the boob thermocouplings. And Rory was like, all right, got it. Went and got, got him. Yes. You know what I mean? So he was able to learn so much. He And it's so good watching that show. Like, I, every, time, every once in a while, I find myself, like, turning on Doctor Who and being like, yeah. It's so fun. All right. So now. Well, you got one yes. thing to say? You got one more thing to say? Or because I was gonna wrap up. Well, I was gonna say, you know, well, no, I was gonna say, like with Doctor Who, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's a kid's show, but it's it's a show for people, you know. And yes. one of the things that I feel like that the show does a good job of teaching is that no matter who you are, where you come from, what you've been through, what you've experienced, what you've been taught. You, as a human being, have worth and value and are amazing as you are in your own right. Mm -hmm. and that is a message that I think should be eternal and global. Yeah. It just needs to be heard because people need to... Amen. Like, a lot of people don't want to hear it because they're so focused on, well, I got to make sure everybody else is fine. But you don't have to make sure everybody else is fine for you to be fine. 
Um, you exactly. take, because you can't pour from an empty cup. Right, and you have to take care of yourself and love you, and you get to see that a lot in Doctor Who. You get to see him taking time for himself. You get to see him loving other people. You get to see him, you know, creating this family and, and this atmosphere, and it's so beautiful. It is so wonderful, and I fucking love him. Oh, my God. All yeah. right. So now we're going to wrap up. And I'm, before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you a question, a very important question. Uh, it's not life or death, but it's important. I'm so, ready. Why are you canceled this week? Woo. Okay. So let's say that I'm canceled this week because while I was driving, I told somebody's old looking ass Nana um, like I made the effort to roll down the window and shout at her that she looked like an old dead skeleton behind the wheel of a car and shouldn't be driving. Now, you know, a little ageism and a little hate, I should be canceled for that. But she also cut me off and oh, almost wrecked my new car. Road rage is real. I've seen people go through some shit during road rage. It was soups and approps. And if somebody was spoken to my, my granny like that, I'd have pulled over and beat the fuck out of them. So I definitely should be canceled for that. Okay. At least you know who you are. At least you I told know you, I'm that. not going to lie about it. At least you know. Yeah, that fucked up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, although, like, I feel like everyone should equally be cussed out. Everyone. No matter your age. I argue with children. So... Yes, fuck them kids up. Fuck them kids up, you know? Um, so, like, I automatically assume that, you know, I'm going to end up arguing with adults, old folks, my elders. I mean, I have argued with my grandparents into their late 80s, so maybe I'm, I'm not far off. I do, too. <laughs> Listen, everybody, everybody can get it. These hands are rated E for everyone, e. bitches. Everyone. Everyone, and so is this cussing. Oh my god! All right, so I do want to thank you for joining me tonight. Thanks for having me. I had fun. Oh, right. I had fun too. I'm glad I could finally talk to you about Doctor Who, like in a more length. Um, I'm glad I got to like you know we get to talk about emotional stuff, and I'm also really, really glad that you know I get to do it one of my play cousins. Hey! Hey! Alright, um, this had been already cancelled with Finn. I just want to thank you guys for listening. If you are listening, you don't have to listen, but, like, if you are listening, please like, you know, please share. Um, if you want, you can download it so I can get those download ratings, but I really don't want to get high ratings, but I kind of do. But I'm just having fun. Um. <laughs> not confusing uh, at all. Not confusing at all. What is life? What is life if not, bitch should be confused about every fucking thing. All the time. All the time. I have no idea what's going on. I am living on this earth, and I'm like, do you have an idea? And I always ask an adult here, adult, like someone who's like, you know, my grandpa, like grandpa's age, he knows how to adult. He's like, bitch, I don't know shit. I'm just getting through it and reading books. Best way to do it. I mean, honestly. All right, thank you guys for joining, and I have been already canceled.